gore, and sometimes a little more. My bloody podcast. <laughs> Hello, bloodhounds and creepy peeps, and welcome to the 11th episode of My Bloody Podcast. I'm your host, Preston Barta, and I'm joined here, as always, by my co-host, Mr. Brian Kluger, who, rumor has it, is the bear-suited man performing fellatio on The Dude in the Shining. That is accurate. (laughs) I can't believe you finally found out. Yeah, I was watching the documentary Room 237, and I was like, you know what? Mm, he looks familiar. <laughs> and uh, I, I pitched a sequel idea, but I don't think it's going to happen. Oh, my. Just having that that bear fellatioed, fellatioed stuff. Um, yeah, man, how are you? How, how, it was 4th of July. We're gonna ha- we have a 4th of July episode. Uh-huh. Uh, did you watch fireworks, eat some barbecue, burgers, hot dogs, and blood? Yes, all the above. We uh, went to my family out in Aubrey, Texas, and so we had some burgers. And then a little later, we went to Apogee Stadium at the University of North Texas and watched the fireworks show out there. So Ro, my son, got to uh, watch fireworks for the first time. And it's also kind of bittersweet because... This is his last first holiday <laughs> because uh, his uh, he turns a year old uh, next month. So we've hit all the holidays now. There you go. Well, that's fantastic. And and we we got to bring up we got to bring up this is this is Fourth of July episode. So we have a really fun episode. We're going to talk about tons of shit. But we're going our main event is the Return of the Living Dead, which yes. takes place over July third and July fourth. Some people don't know that, but that's our main event. But you probably heard before we before Preston introed us, we finally, finally have a new theme song, and it was done by our good our good friend. You can hear him on our other show, Mediocrity, Jonathan Atterbury. He lives on the West Coast. He's living it up. Uh, beachside somewhere on the west coast doing music uh, but I have to I, I, I loved it I loved it so much Preston what did you think I loved it too did he do the voice too he that is his voice he did, he went for like a Vincent Price ACDC Michael Jackson thriller yes <laughs> yeah that's great so I believe uh, we're going to stick with that theme song, uh, but we love it. We thank Jonathan Atterbury. Uh, y'all could try to look him up. I know he does music. Yes. So uh, Jonathan Atterbury, we thank you. We love you. We know you love horror movies, too. We're going to have to get you on the podcast at some point. Um, but, yes, we are in episode 11, and we have just tons of stuff to talk about. Tons. Oh, my God. Let's first talk about, we've talked about this on the show before, um, the Child's Play reboot. I guess it is actually gaining steam. They are going to reboot Child's Play as a TV series, and it looks like the original voice of Chucky through all of the Chucky Child's Play movies, Brad Dourif, is going to return, of course, as Chucky, which I don't think you can do a Child's Play without his voice because it's just that good. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I don't think you can at all. Well, you know, there's a lot of uh, 
you know, like the Joker and things like that. But I, th- this one just feels so specific. I don't know. It's like hard, hard to say, uh, trying to imagine somebody else other than him doing it. But um, I'm very happy that he that he is and uh, that they're going forward with the TV show because it, it, it just seems like a, a really cool idea to bring that whole world into a television series and uh, I'm very fascinated with what kind of approach they're going to take if they're going to be treating it as a one continuous arc, which I can only imagine that they'll do stuff like that and uh, not like a crime of the week, although that would be hilarious. No, I, I so I like look at this if they actually gain all the steam and they actually do this TV series, it needs to be just like Ash vs. Evil Dead. Like, that fun, that gory, that good of a TV show. Because, I mean, I'm all for movies, and I don't think they're going to stop making the movies. Uh, however, if they make a TV show, that's just, like, more Chucky. That's more Child's Play every year instead of waiting, like, a few years between each one. And I'm, like, super excited about that. Mm-hmm. So are you, you're in for this? Yeah, yeah. And uh, Don Mancini going to be part of it, too? Yes, Don Mancini was part of the original one. He's, like, the main guy. Uh, yes, Don Mancini and David uh, Kishner. So yeah, they're going. They're part of it. That means like they know their shit when it comes to Child's Play and Chucky. And like I love Chucky. Like he was scary, then he was silly, and he was silly, and he's violent and fun. I just I love the guy. <laughs> yeah, I want a good guy doll. I've always wanted a, a original good guy doll. I'm gonna have to find that at an antique store at some point. Or find a hobo on the street. Yes, that's true. Uh, Preston, I love you. (laughs) Um, So there's a little bit of that news. Um, Also, um, Platinum Dunes, uh, the the kind of R-rated horror sci-fi action-esque film studio, they're wanting to make another Friday the 13th. Um, Supposedly, there's like lawsuits between all the Friday the 13th and Jason... All that stuff is happening, but every but they want to do another one. They hope to do another one. They want everything to settle, which brings us to Preston and I. Yes. Officially announced, Preston and I have started this Friday the 13th screenplay. <laughs> and hopefully we get to make that movie for Platinum Dunes. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that'd be great. I would, I would love it. I feel kind of nervous. Uh, I don't want to say anything of what we're working on and the ideas that we're having, but, uh, I think it would be something that would interest fans. It's something that interests me, especially since I've rewatched them all recently. And I just feel like this is the direction that it needs to go in. And I haven't been too interested in a lot of the horror remakes that have come out as of late, um, it seems like Hollywood's starting to catch on a little bit that uh, what horror fans are wanting from uh, their sequels. But, um, yeah, I hope this has enough problems that gives us enough time to finish our screenplay and uh, get it in the hat. Well, when I, when I went to Los Angeles a few weeks ago on the plane, I wrote the entire opening and first scene. So... I don't know if I've have I sent that to you yet. No, you haven't sent it to me yet. I've got to send it to you, and you got to give notes. But we're not gonna we're not gonna dive into plot details and stuff. But I think 
It's going to be awesome. And holy God, please just, like Preston said, keep on with your fighting until we're done with it. So we can be like, yoink, here it is. (laughs) Already done. So, uh, but yes, that's news uh, for your Friday 13th fans. Platinum Dooms still wants to be in business with Jason Voorhees. So keep your fingers crossed. Speaking of Friday the 13th, uh waxwork the uh vinyl the record company uh is releasing friday the 13th a new beginning soundtrack on vinyl next friday meaning july 13th uh which is going to be awesome i'm super excited about that really cool cover yeah it's a great cover um i the only friday the 13th soundtrack i have on vinyl right now is the tv series um, so I am, I am wanting the entire soundtrack. So here it is. Harry Manfredini, the fifth movie, a new beginning will be on record vinyl waxworks records next week, Friday, a week from tomorrow. I July imagine. 13th. Yes. Which is Friday the 13th. So... Who could have guessed? Who could, who could have guessed? Speaking of other records, Mondo. Mondo is releasing the complete Big Trouble in Little China soundtrack. It's the first time it's been on vinyl in 30 years, which is huge news for a lot of people. Myself, I have the original soundtrack from that long ago on vinyl. I can't believe wow. I found it several years ago for a good price, and I have it. However, this looks awesome. Uh, it's going to be two LPs, 180 gram. It's going to come in two different fun colors. There's even going to be a super exclusive edition at San Diego Comic-Con. But, yes, this is – if you haven't heard the soundtrack of Big Trouble in Little China on vinyl, you're not living your full life yet. (laughs) You know what Jack Burton always says. You're in big trouble. Yes. (laughs) So look out for that. The cover art's really cool. It looks like it comes with, like, really cool stuff. Uh, inside the record, so uh, for you Big Trouble in Little China fans and vinyl fans, soundtracks, this is big news for you. Are you excited about this? I know you collect vinyl and soundtracks, Preston. Do the Jason, the Friday 13th, and Big Trouble on your radar for purchasing? Um, I do collect, but I have, I've been more into the collecting movie game lately, so uh, I've been keeping up with it. I've had I've a lot of you know, I've let a lot of them go. It's been sad when they, because uh, these Mondo ones get swallowed up pretty quickly. And uh, there's been some ones for, uh, well, they're about to re-release Jaws. So I have I have an opportunity to get that. But um, I would love to get it down the line. I just haven't been uh, doing it as much as I want to. But they are very cool, cool collector's items. I just know if I dive too deep into that, I would just... It'll, it'll just swallow me whole. And so uh, I need to try to save a little money, as much money as I can, because it's all going towards uh, movie buying, especially after this 4th of July weekend. I, I've hit up so many sales lately and bought eight movies already. Dude, that's awesome. Yeah, the Criterion sales going on at Barnes & Noble, 50% off, with an extra 10% off if you're a Barnes & Noble uh, member. Yep. Uh, and then there's just, there's just tons of things. But speaking of, like, these horror movies and movies you're buying, there's like a couple pretty yeah. awesome Scream Factory releases, right? Yes. 
like new ones. Which ones are they? Which ones are you excited for at least? Um, well, there's been a couple. Yeah, we've teased a few of them, like uh, Night of the Living Dead 2, which is coming out uh, later this year. But uh, do we we haven't. We, no, we haven't talked about Trick or Treat, which we've mentioned on the podcast. Or did we talk about that last week? I can't remember. The Trick or Treat uh, Collector's Edition? I don't know if we talked about that last week. It, it's it's so hard to tell because me and you communicate with each other, and we and I just blur it all. So if we didn't mention it, hey, Trick or Treat's coming out in October, and it's got a really sweet-ass cover. Uh, you should look it up on shopfactory.com it's a collector's edition that has all this original artwork on it and uh what else is there there's the new ones today uh creep creep show the original creep show creep show Uh, looks awesome like seriously like i I love this movie and i've owned it on blu-ray and dvd many times over and just this collector's edition having all the new shit with it i'm i'm in i'm all the way in and it comes out like right before Halloween, so perfect. Yeah, there's so many. Yeah, it's we. It's it's strange because there's like so many good ones coming out. Uh, they're well, they're doing House on Haunted Hill, which is the remake, but still very cool. And uh, there's the Halloween two and three. They're getting steelbook treatment, and they're really cool cover uh, art for that one. Uh, the one for Jason two. I mean, not Jason two. Halloween two. Shows Mike on fire walking through the hallways, and then uh, Halloween three has the kids uh, watching Shamrock commercial, and then they have like they even have the the Michael mask in uh, I guess it's on the back of the cover. If you open it up, it's like one full picture. Yeah, Screen Factory is doing all sorts of cool things. In like in addition. Uh, to on the Creep Show, the new Creep Show uh, release. This is going to be similar to the Nightbreed release, where they're going to release like a big, like limited edition, only to fifteen hundred uh, units. It's going to come with like mm-hmm. a lithograph poster and all that kind of stuff, similar to what Nightbreed did. So yeah. yes, because that sold out. That sold out quickly. So you must get your orders in at ScreenFactory.com to get that. Quick lay. I'm super excited about Creep Show. Uh, I love it so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Halloween two and three. You know what? I love steel books. Um, I only have a couple of them, but I have like the big Halloween limited edition gift set. Uh, but uh-huh. with these artworks, especially Halloween three, man, is so cool because I like Halloween three. It gets a bad rap. I like Halloween three season of the witch. See, I do not. Oh. I tried. I really tried, and I know a lot of people love it. It's just, I just, I can't. It, I like a, it, a certain. <laughs> I like certain things about it, but uh, I don't know. I just can't get behind uh, the characters and what they say, and I just don't. It just feels like people just are doing shit, and there's no stakes. I don't know. I just can't really feel uh, that sense of thrill and everything like that i think it's a cool idea i just don't think it's executed very well or just it could be because i'm so late to the game because I, I watched it probably a couple of years ago and i rewatched it uh last year when i bought uh a set the halloween set and um and then my wife watched it with me and we both we just had a hard time getting through it i think it's the most fucked up one 
Just because it's like a corporation like out to kill kids, like young, young kids. Yeah. <laughs> In like yeah. a horrific yeah. like, fashion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like uh, th- that's what I'm saying. Like the idea is very cool. I just don't think it's executed very well. Yeah. Well, there you but, go. Uh, yeah. And, and then, I have a, I have a few, I have a few steel books. I have uh, almost all of them except when, when they started branching out of not uh, doing more films other than uh, John Carpenter films. Because I have Assault on uh, Precinct Thirteen and Escape from New York, The Fog, and uh, what else do you do? Um, Prince of Darkness, uh, and all. Yeah. I think did we lose Preston for a second? I think we lost Preston for a second. You there, buddy? Cutting out a little bit. A little bit. Oh no. I think the ghosts and the goblins have completely taken over Preston. It's very scary. I think his demonic Wi Fi got into his soul. So, yes, folks, yes, we finally found Preston back from the darkness. The, the, the demons were sucking him in, but we we got him. I, I got that last hand grab. He's out into the wild right now with us on my bloody podcast, episode 11. And he was talking about all the awesome uh, steelbooks from Scream Factory. Uh, he ended, well, the last we heard from him before he went to the darkness was Prince of Darkness. Oh yes. Uh, so I haven't I haven't gone all out yet, but I definitely do plan to get Halloween two and three. I think I'm just going to keep going with the John Carpenter films, and I'll just have my whole steelbook collection of that. But uh, I've not got Buckaroo Banzai and Bill and Ted because I'm pretty satisfied with uh, the, the art that they have. But I think I will pick up uh, the Howling when that comes out. Well, so like, it's like, yeah, I, I get it. It's like the the steel books, but like, I have like the big editions of Bill and Ted on Blu-ray. And it's like, yeah, oh, me yeah. too. So I, I'm always, I don't know what to do or rebuy or anything. So I'm usually just like, I don't know what I'm actually gonna do if Scream Factory starts releasing 4K, because it means I'm just gonna have to buy everything again. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. Well, I get pretty excited with certain films. Like I own uh, like six different versions or packages or different packaging for the departed. Like I have one for that. I got from target that came with the screenplay. And then I have a steel book. I have the HD DVD because I bought, I had an HD DVD player and now it's like, it's worthless, but I still have it. And I have it on DVD. I have a regular DVD uh, as the single disc. I have a two disc DVD. Man, I have every which way. What, what movie do you have uh, the most of? Is it Evil Dead? Oh, yeah. Or Army of Darkness? It's Army of Darkness yes. for sure. I think I've bought that uh, that movie probably at least eighteen times because I've had the laser disc, the D- all the DVDs, even like the bootleg shit and like the hard to find number mm-hmm. ones. Uh, as well as each Blu-ray so far in collector's edition. So, and I still have them all. So they're, yes, even like the gold packaging with like the Conan type army of darkness on it. Like it's crazy. Uh, so I think that one I probably have the most of, and probably second to that is Halloween. However, I think I probably sold some of those editions because there've been a lot of versions of Halloween. Uh, but yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I think my second is uh, Blade Runner because I have the the suitcase that came out in like 2007. I have that one. That, mm-hmm, I love it, and I own the five disc collection on Blu-ray. I have a regular Blu-ray. I got the director's cut on Laserdisc, and I have uh, the theatrical version on Laserdisc too. So, did you get the 4K one? Uh, I I don't have the 4K one yet. Right, it's awesome by the way. Yeah. You'll like it. Uh, so, yeah. There, there, I like rebuying some certain stuff, and then some stuff I'm like, I don't get it. Like Bill and Ted. Like, yes. Yeah. But give me something new. Um, all right. Let's move on. Uh, we're going to talk about Fantasia Film Festival. Um, Fantasia's a lot like Fantastic Fest. I know we've talked about Fantastic Fest before. Um, Fantasia is actually, I think, a bigger film festival, genre film festival. That's horror, sci-fi, action, all that cool shit, but it takes place in Canada every year. And they have some really cool films this year. Uh, the closing films are Big Brother and Mandy, which we talked about, I think, before yes. with Nick Cage. And the opening the opening film uh, is something that I haven't heard of yet, but it is called, um, I'm trying to, like, Dan's Le Broom. Uh, it's, it's a... A French-Canadian film, uh, and it basically what the logline of it says, uh, I, I guess it's like after an earthquake um, of some sort uh, that hits Paris, uh, it, the whole place is filled with a toxic gas that seems to come below ground, and then just all sorts of crazy shit happens. So that's the opening mm. film, uh, and if they pick that for their opening film, it has to probably be awesome uh but the the poster's super cool um it's only 90 minutes so that's awesome not two and a half hours so i'm real excited about this are you going to cover fantasia this year like remotely uh yeah i got an email to uh cover the screening library so i think i might dive into that yeah because it's i mean this is like i think a bigger fantastic fest so yeah. I'm super excited about this. And in one year, Preston and I are going to make it to Canada and attend this festival, <laughs> become Canadians for yeah. a week. Uh, and smoke. Is- we can legally smoke. We can smoke in French fries and gravy, sir. Yep. <laughs> It'll be excellent. Um, so, yeah, Fantasia Fest. Look it up. Go to FantasiaFestival.com and look at all the cool films uh, and buy a pass if you want to go to Canada. Uh, in the next few months. So, yeah, do that. Uh, any other news pressing before I talk about the fourth Purge movie, which is interestingly titled The First Purge? Yeah. Um, no, I don't have I don't have anything, but I, I, I find it so hilarious that it's called The First Purge because I was going through uh, James Cochran, the film, and for you to just say the first purge movie always gets confused with the one, the very first movie. I really wish they would have called it purge like forefathers or something like that. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Well, they shouldn't have, because I'll tell you why <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you why. So, I mean, we're at the fourth installment of the purge franchise, but this one's a prequel to the three previous films. And it's simply titled the first purge. Um, the creator of this film franchise, James DeMonaco, has left the director's chair this time and given the reins to Fruitvale Station associate producer, meaning he's not really a producer, uh, Gerard McMurray. Um, 
but DeMonaco is still listed as a producer and writer of this new film. Uh, but there's nothing new here. There's nothing that enhances it. Um, I, th- I think, because I've seen all the Purge films, I'm in it for the long run. I think each Purge film has a different feel to it. Um, so, like, the first one's, like, Home Invasion. The second one kind of takes to the streets in, like, a very Escape from New York kind of way. To, to the streets. To the streets. Uh, and the third film was, like... Step Up to the Streets. Yes, yeah, Step Up, Purge to the Streets. Oh, my God. If the Step Up movies did Purge, style, I'd watch them. The uh, crossover. The third film was, like, a violent political thriller at best. Yeah. And so this fourth one called The First Purge basically uh, shows the first purge, um, which you would hope that in all these movies they talk about the new founding fathers of America who, like, are in charge of everything. They would kind of show them and, like, talk about them, but they are really not mentioned other than, like, a couple lines at the very beginning of the film. Um, The creator of this purge is actually Marissa Tomei. And... uh, Yeah, she creates this purge in order to, like, um, as an experiment. But the Founding Fathers have other – they want to just take out all the minorities, all the blacks, all the Mexicans. Um, So basically they they put in their own feelers. They they, they rig the game. Um, But the main guy in this movie is so badass. His name is Dimitri in the film, but real life – uh, Yylan Noel from HBO's Insecure. And this guy is a gangster who's going to hole up for the purge and protect his business. However, he has to get out there and he turns into Wesley Snipes blade and kills everybody. What single handedly and it is fantastic. He takes off his coat to show his muscles and just, he blades it up. It's fantastic, which was probably the coolest part of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it's silly. It's a silly movie. And if you've seen the Purge movie, you've seen most of them because they're really not about to like just change it all. And this movie's no different. It's a Purge movie in the streets. Uh, again. So, and there's like those silly real world modern day things. Like there's a grab the pussy moment. <laughs> and like it goes on for like 45 seconds and you're just like, it's happening. And then the line comes, you're like, uh, rolled eyes. So, it's crazy. Are you going to see this fourth one when it comes out, Preston? Uh, I'll watch it, yeah, yeah, on Blu-ray or something like that. But I I was not interested in catching it in the theaters because I didn't like the last one. I didn't like uh, Purge Election Year. I loved uh, uh, Purge Anarchy. I really enjoyed that one. Frank Grillo, he's awesome. Yeah, but But Frank Grillo's in the third one, too. But I just, it's... It's best to see him like unhinged and operating on an agenda, not working for the government and trying to protect somebody. Correct. And uh, so, uh, yeah, I are they still doing the TV series? Yes, I think they are still doing a TV series. OK, so maybe that might work out um, because I've always thought like, oh, man, there's so many possibilities to go. But yet they're you know treating it the, the same way. Or at least that's what I'm gathering from what other people have said about the first Purge film. And um, do they have anybody? Because something that's always annoyed me about the series is they always have somebody in the film that doesn't seem to seem uh, too freaked out about the Purge happening. There's like the, the the couple that are going to get groceries right before the Purge happens, and I'm like, why the 
fuck are you doing that? Like, go get your groceries after. I think you can wait 12 hours. And then um, the the people that are protecting their house in the first one, um, I'm just like, I would have already started my fortress way earlier. And is there any moments like that in this one where there's just a there has to be some dumbass people in this? There is dumbass people, but it's like different. Like there's not like those scenes because this is the first one. Basically, the uh, the founding fathers are trying yeah. to sign everybody up, like in mm-hmm. like these little like blood booths, um, and they give them like these contact lenses that act as video cameras. Uh, so everybody, but everybody's at home. However, when the purge actually starts. Most people on Staten Island uh, just throw parties in the street and just have sex. Nobody's really killing anybody. <laughs> it takes a little while to get going because the Founding Fathers want to kill all the minorities, so they rig the game in a way. Mm. So most people are just, like, throwing parties in the streets, like Bourbon Street, basically. Um, but, yeah, there's nobody, like, you know, ten minutes prior, they're like, I've got to go get cookies. No, there's nothing like that. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Uh, but there is one of the, one of the crazy guys in the movie is called Skeletor, and it's it, I, it makes me laugh every time they say his name. Awesome. So, um, I think the, the character Dimitri is that badass that I hope like they put him in the TV series or make another movie with him because he is he's that cool of a character. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, it, if you've seen the rest of them, you're gonna see this one. So there you go. It'd be really funny if, because I don't know what, how, how many years are they, do, do you remember how many years they're into the purge? I th- uh, the first one? I think it's like three or four, uh, because Ethan Hawke's character in the first one has already started a business, lucrative yeah. business in selling purge type security. So I think it's only a few years mm-hmm. into the future. Um, from the first purge, uh, because in the in this prequel, the only purge is happening on Staten Island. It's not the whole United States. So, um, yeah. Yeah. so they could call this the the next one the second purge, <laughs> and uh, purge <laughs> off five, the, the island. Second one, nobody yeah. keeping count anymore. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, yeah. If you've seen the Ball, you're gonna go see it again. Um, You've seen it all before. That's all I'm saying. But the character Dimitri is super cool, so I will say that. Cool. Um, All right. My bloody recommendations. Time for my bloody podcast, my bloody recommendations. Preston probably has an amazing one, and I'm very excited to hear about it. Yes, yes. So I thought about going really deep and dark with it, but then I... So you and I had talked prior to this, uh, trying to figure out which film we were going to do this week, and we ultimately decided with Return of the Living Dead. But I really feel like we need to discuss The Cured. Uh, so I, that's my pick this week. I'll, I'll, I'll promise I'll really surprise you uh, next week. But, um, yeah, so I want to discuss uh, The Cured, which is a zombie movie. And so before you roll your eyes at that... It is a really cool spin on zombie movie. On the uh, we have discussed in uh, episodes prior that you know Land of the Dead and in some of the horror or the zombie news that's kind of come out with like television shows and other movies. And 
we're at this point, we've kind of seen everything under the sun. But uh, last year I saw the Cured at Fantastic Fest and I was pretty blown away by it. Yeah, that's the, um, that's the Ellen Page so, movie, right? Yes, yes. yes. Yeah. So, yeah. so uh, yeah, in the movie, Ellen Page is, um, I think they're over in England. I don't know if that, that is, that's is correct. Is it Ireland or England? It might be Ireland. I'm trying to remember the de- the details of it. It's been a while since I've seen it, but it's I, there's like specific scenes that still have an impact uh, on me. I'm thinking about it all the time. But uh, the, the idea of it all is that there was the, the zombie apocalypse or there was this big epidemic that happened. We don't know what the cause of it and everything like that. We're dealing with strictly the aftermath of it. And this is uh, after the virus has been defeated and people are beginning to you know, go back into society. And there are the people who survived the epidemic, and then there's the people who were infected that were cured. And um, the people that are cured have all the memories of all the horrific things that they did when they were a zombie. So if they killed somebody in their own family or their like their mother or their uh, their father or their brothers and sisters, uh, they remember for that and it has an emotional impact on them and so i just was not expecting that so there's like it's more of like a dramatic movie that's kind of dealing with the psychology of the people that were infected afterwards and uh there's discrimination there and so it, it's very timely with a lot of what's going on in our own world uh, there's like borders and they're trying to separate people and yeah, a lot of discrimination and, um, it, it's a third act, um, gets, it's, it's a little, it's kind of what you expect out of these kind of zombie movies. Um, it, it gets a little, it goes a little Hollywood. I say the Hollywood route. Um, but the rest of it, like two-thirds of it, is just really good. And I was really invested with the characters, particularly uh, Ellen Page's character and her brother. Um, and uh, so, yeah, you should uh, give that one uh, a good old college try. It's uh, available through Scream Factory. And uh, it comes with a behind-the-scenes uh, featurette and just a theatrical trailer. So, But the movie's really good, and you should check it out. Sweet. I like it. The Cured. Um, my bloody recommendation is along the same lines. It is another zombie film. <laughs> Whoa. But mine is super ridiculous. Um, so, as, as Preston has just stated... Uh, there's just tons of zombie movies. We've seen pretty much every zombie scenario played out. It could be a romantic comedy about zombies. It could be Nazi zombies on the moon. We've seen it all. But every once in a while, something new comes to light, and it surprises us. And that's where this horror comedy zombie film comes into play, Cockneys vs. Zombies. Have you seen it, Preston? I have not. This is called Cockneys vs. Zombies. And it takes place in London. And yes, most people will compare this to Edgar Wright's Shaun of the Dead, being that's a comedy film with zombies, and it takes place in England. 
but this one can stand on its own. It's equally hilarious as it is bloody. It just never stops. Um, in fact, the first on-screen death happens within the first minute of the film, and it just gets better from there. So, basically, this movie kind of starts out with a few construction workers, and they come across a large locked door and an odd inscription on it. Uh, and uh, the construction guys, of course, open the door, and there's a mass graveyard inside, but the, uh, it, they're not, all the corpses are not dead. They're rather undead. Um, and then just, you know, the domino effect. It happens. People start turning into zombies. Meanwhile, a couple of brothers uh, and their friends plan to rob a bank. And they're planning to rob a bank to help their grandfather um, and the people at the grandfather's retirement community from being shut down. Who plays this grandfather, you ask? Alan Ford, other known as <laughs> Rick Top from Snatch. So that kind of tells you all you need to know about this movie, meaning it is awesome. Uh, the, this grandfather, uh, who's Brick Top, basically, is a former gangster. <laughs> So not a big stretch from Snatch. And basically, as the zombies try to attack everybody, it's these bank robbers and the old people, the Cockneys, killing all the zombies. And these old people, these geriatric people, know how to handle shotguns and machine guns. It is fantastic. Um, great, great kill scenes. I, you're just It's gory. It's fun. It's funny. Highly recommended. This uh, comes from Scream Factory as well, uh, and it comes with a couple commentaries, a big behind-the-scenes, deleted scenes. Highly recommended. It's super cheap right now. I think you can get it for under 12 bucks um, at Cock Cockneys vs. Zombies. If you're looking for a fun, hilarious, great, gory zombie film that you haven't seen before, Cockneys vs. Zombies, go do it, please. So, yes, my nice. bloody recommendations for sure. But on to the main event taking place on July 3rd and 4th. July 3rd and 4th is a fantastic cult film. Maybe one of the best cult films ever made, uh, which is actually a spoof film off of George Romero's Night of the Living Dead. It's called Return of the mm -hmm. Living Dead. Um, this came out in 1985 and is a horror comedy uh, directed by Dan O'Bannon, um, who did quite a bit of stuff. He was he did special computer effects on Star Wars. He uh, he did he the animated movie Heavy Metal. He wrote Dead and Buried. Um, he was a co-writer on Total Recall. I just the dude is awesome. Uh, and and he wrote Alien. Yes. Dan O'Bannon, the guy's badass. And uh, how would you describe this movie? <laughs> it's so ridiculous. Yeah, um, it's a little reanimator-like, but um, more uh, punk rock. Uh, yeah, I I'd say that's like the description, punk rock version of reanimator. Yeah, because there's, there's a group of punk rockers named Spider, Trash, Scuzz, Suicide, Casey, and Chuck. Juana uh, Man! Yes, Juana Man, absolutely, he's in this movie. And, uh, by those names, you can say, like, yes, it's very 80s, very punk rock, heavy metal soundtrack, and it's, I guess, like this, one of these punk rockers takes a job at, like, a embalming mortuary type of place 
and they find like it's like a medical supply warehouse. Yes, and there are these old military barrels downstairs with corpses, and then the gas. They accidentally turn on the gas to them, and then it reanimates the corpses, and it just goes from there. Um, yeah. And then there's an acid rain uh, that forces everybody inside the warehouse. I mean, this movie's insane, but so yeah. funny. Yeah, really well thought out um, because you're you're kind of you're with uh, what's his name? Who's the main kid? Uh, oh, not Clue Gulager. Um, what's kid? his name? Yeah, Tom Matthews' character, Freddie. Oh yeah, yeah, like, Freddie. Yes. So, so so when he's getting this job, uh, the the guy is uh, Bert, right? I think that's his name. Yes, Bert. No, 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 no yeah. fr- Frank. 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 Okay, yeah, showing James Car- Yeah, Frank Johnson. The, the, the other guy is Clue Gulager is Bert. Yeah. So Frank's like showing Freddy around uh, the warehouse, and then they're packing like these uh, skeletons, uh, putting them in like a uh, crate, and they're putting like the uh, popcorn in it and all that. And then he's like, "You're doing such a good job." And then they have like a little uh, discussion uh, after. Afterwards, saying and Freddie asks uh, Frank, "Hey, what's the what's like the craziest thing that you've seen happen here?" And he's like, "And then this is when we, we get the exposition dump of <clears throat> the barrels being downstairs, which are uh, which uh, Frank kind of describes as you ever seen." He tells Freddie, "You ever seen the movie Night of the Living Dead?" He's like, "Yeah." He's like, "Do you know that that was based on a true story?" He's like, "No way." And then they uh, they go down to <clears throat> look at the barrels, and then uh, Freddie asks Frank, "He's like, uh, like nothing will leak out of this." He's like, "No, man, it's made by the government." And then he taps it, and then the gas comes out. And um, from there, the the guy that's inside that tank gets out, and then. Uh, it just goes nuts after that because they they wake up and they're like what's what's going on? They have no idea what happened and then they go up uh, back yeah back upstairs and there's like a half dog <laughs> and it comes it comes alive and they it, when we say half I, a dog we're talking about like the full length of a dog but just half of it cut like a <laughs> like a hot dog bun like kind of shown to be. Yeah. yeah, they're like it's it's like made to like show you what's like inside a dog. Yes, it's like a like a science medical thing because that's what they have. They have all these medical supplies, and so and they also have like a body that's like hanging from like a meat hook in a freezer. And um, w- w- what's so great about after that is, which is so reanimator style, is there's a a, a guy that. I believe it's the guy that's in the freezer. He right? He's the one, the first one that comes out. Yeah, he's like, he's they, like painted gold or beige or something like that. Yeah, everybody when they're uh, become these dead zombie things, they're like painted uh, in a theatrical way. And so, yeah, they have a fight with this zombie thing, and they're trying to uh, figure out like how do you kill these things and they go to the t- their tools which is the movies that we've seen and so like night of the living dead you decapitate it uh or hit their brain shoot them in the brain uh drive a sword through it they die but in this one they do not uh um so they go through all these they try to think of everything that they can to try to kill this zombie and so they decapitate it and it 
that's like Reanimator running around, and uh, then they go to their buddy next door who uh, works at the morgue, and he can cremate the body, and so they get the idea we should burn it. So they put it in the into the 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 oven, and um, they're like, okay, this should do it. And then that's when the smoke and uh, the chemical that's within uh, that causes uh, these uh, dead bodies to reanimate, and it goes, it spills out, and there's there just so happens to be a cemetery by, and then after, at, at that point, you're like, yes, <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> yeah, so they uh, the smoke goes up, and then it rains, and it goes on over the the cemetery, and then it's just it's just nuts after that point. There's all kinds of fun deaths and like. They uh, the zombies can even talk. There's like a point where uh, a ambulance comes out there, like the medics come out there, and uh, the paramedics come out there, and then uh, they they die. And then one of, one of the zombie guys goes on like the uh, the walkie talkie, the radio, and says, "Send more paramedics." Yep. And. Um, <laughs> So yeah, it's a lot of fun. There's a lot of creative death scenes. Like everybody dies. Like this, I, I think that's like one of the surprising things of the movie. It's just like just people, just so many people die. Uh, I guess is. that kind of it carries over to the rest of the series too. Yeah, because there was like several sequels after this. Uh, but yeah, the, these zombies do talk, and they're basically base. They only say like brains. Brains. They only want to eat brains. Um, yeah, and it's super funny in that aspect. And when the smoke and then rains in the graveyard, that is the famous iconic scene of Lania Quigley dancing naked in the graveyard. Yeah. Which is fantastic. Um, we, sh- yes. should, uh, we should do a special mention of the tar man, because that's like one of the best zombie characters of all time who, who starts saying brains and he just looks really cool. And the way that he moves um, he pops up a couple of times throughout the movie, and uh, he's awesome. He is he is great. And this movie has been, like, parodied. Like, they kind of parodied it in South Park in the Pink Eye episode. Uh, Simpsons <laughs> has parodied this, which is fantastic. Um, there, it's, it's a damn good movie. And the soundtrack is even great. It's all like that punk rock, like the Cramps, 45 Graves, even Party Time. Which is with when Carmen comes to life, they sing that song. <laughs> um, Rocky Erickson, yeah. The Damned. It's it's a really cool. If you can find that on vinyl, uh, get it. It is fantastic. And interestingly enough, this movie has a ninety one percent approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes, um, meaning it's probably there. You go. That's all that needs to be said, really. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this movie, Return of the Living Dead, it is on Scream Factory in a collector's edition. Uh, it's got all sorts of crazy stuff. There's two discs in it, all new extras, vintage extras, commentaries. It's fantastic. It's so good. Yeah. And I, I read a little bit about it and I saw that Toby Hooper was going to be the original director, but then a couple of weeks before shooting, uh, it just didn't, it didn't work out. And so Dan, Dan O'Bannon, is that his name? Yeah. Dan O'Bannon. Yeah, Dan O'Bannon. He he decided to uh, direct it himself, and I'm glad he did because he did a good job. Yeah, he did. Um, it is 
it's a super fun movie and it's just like nostalgic and great and it's like it's super 80s but like a rated r 80s movie um yeah like the the dialogue is kind of terrible well i don't know if it's terrible but the the delivery of it is not very good true true i i would agree with that for sure. But it, but it's all part of the '80s kind of format. It's so it, it's forgivable. Yeah. But yes, Return of the Living Dead, and it takes place on July 3rd and 4th. So if you're looking for a July 4th movie, it also goes well on Halloween. But July 4th movie, it is, it's a patriotic movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is so good. Um, but yeah, anything else by Return of the Living Dead? No, no, I think that's it. Yeah. All right. Um, but yeah, visit ScreamFactory.com to visit all the movies we talk about. Um, you can also do Arrow.com. has a lot of really cool horror movies. But we are My Bloody Podcast. This is our 11th episode, and we have a new theme song thanks to Jonathan Atterbury. We love him. Uh, and we'll be back next week with episode 12. And I'm very excited. Preston, where can they find you in all of your glory and naked videos online? Oh, boy. Uh, yeah, I guess you can go on Fresh Fiction's YouTube page for that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, we do have some cool stuff on there. Uh, we got some interviews that I've done, video interviews that I've done in the past. And then uh, Gwen Reyes has been posting uh, episodes from her podcast, uh, the Fresh Fiction podcast podcast on there so you can check those out as well if you want to know stuff about uh what she's uh reading what she's listening to and what she's watching so she's all she's into all kinds of things um but you can find me on the in the ditton record chronicle uh so that's dittonrc.com and uh, i just wrote about there's a Texas Theater, we have that out here in Dallas. That's the, the theater, the infamous or famous theater, depending on how you see it, uh, where uh, Lee Harvey Oswald was apprehended. And so they did a documentary, a short documentary on that uh, that's going to be on Filmstruck, the Criterion Channel, on Monday. So you can watch that. And they're doing some pretty cool stuff with that. Um, so they're, I, I think it's called Art House. Uh, what is it called? Art House something. I can't remember the last of it. Um, but they're, yeah, the Criterion Channel is doing something uh, special on a lot of the art house theaters around the nation. And so they do like a little 10 minute documentary on it. And then uh, the, the team behind that theater, like the people who run it, get to pick a movie to uh, screen along with their documentary. So. Uh, you can uh, go on Filmstruck to discover that. And you can also find me on FreshFiction.tv where you can find all our reviews and interviews and all that fun stuff. Awesome. Awesome. Preston Barta, ladies and gentlemen, we love him. I'm Brian Kluger. This is Multimedia Men Podcast. Find us on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. Type in my bloody podcast. Type in Multimedia Men. We are on there. Subscribe, please. We will give you more entertaining podcasts in the horror realm. But until next time, enjoy Child's Play, Halloween, Return of the Living Dead, Cured, and Cockneys vs. Zombies. We'll see you next time. <laughs>